When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, how's it going? This is Matt here from Silver Fortune. So the entirety of this video is going to be about the bond market and what has been going on in the bond market recently. Why are people talking about it? Why is it important? So I understand I have a wide variety of viewers for this video today in terms of your your knowledge base, your experience with the treasury market. So for those of you guys that are that are not new to this and, and you guys know how bonds work, etc. Stick around. I'll get to that in a second. But real quick, I want to do a quick review on how the bond market works and, and what's going on here with this chart right here. Uh, just 60 seconds. Stick around. So in 60 seconds, this is a 10, sorry, a five-year chart for the U.S. 10-year bond yield. Okay. So this is a, a, a bond that's issued with a 10-year maturity. So 10 years from when it's issued. And this is the yield at which you're, you're collecting your, basically on your bond. And it depends on the price. I'm not going to get into all the price mechanisms, but you know, as a rule of thumb, when the price goes up in a bond, the yield goes down. When the price goes down, the yield goes up. Okay. So when people are saying bonds are crashing, well, you're going to see yields go up. Unless they're saying that bond yields are crashing, in which case you're talking about the price going up. Okay. So as you can see, it bottomed out here around one point, you know, below 1.4% in July of 2016. Since then, it has been on the rise. This is a big deal right here. This rise, I'll be talking about that later on. Today, it's around 3.2%. Okay. So this is important for investors because that's the difference between collecting 1.4% and 3.2%. It's important for the U.S. government. That's, a di that's the difference between paying 1.4% interest on a 10-year piece of debt and 3.2% interest on a piece of debt. So it's a big deal for both investors. Obviously, investors would want a higher yield, ideally, for the most part, and if they plan on holding it. And the government would want a lower yield because then they have to make less in terms of debt payments. Now, the government issues a wide variety of maturities. They have a 30-year, they have a 10-year, they have shorter-term ones like a two-year um, bond, and then they have even shorter ones. We're, we're talking months and weeks right? Those are, those would be considered like bills or notes even very short term. And the yield on those are uh, considerably lower, closer to like the fed funds rate, um, which is around 2% right now. Okay. So that's a quick review of how this working. Now get into what, what people have been talking about recently. I'll shrink this chart down to a one year. Okay. So as you can see here, yields, you know, you saw it on the five year chart, yields have been moving up and around February of this year, actually right around when the stock market crashed. In fact, if I added the SPX to this, you'd see it here. Uh, let's see here. Um, so basically, around that point in time, you had the stock market crash. Coincidence? No, I don't think so. I think it was partly a response to rising yields. But you had this blow off top at the time. You know, it's now at a uh, new high. But and then you had it go into correction mode right around this time of rising yields. Okay. I just want to show you guys that. And then for a very long time, it's sitting in a pretty tight range for the most part. I mean, with a couple exceptions between 2.8% and like three, maybe 3.1%, like 3.05, we'll say percent. Okay. It stayed in that range until very recently in which it topped this number right here, 3.1%. And it's now up around 3.2%. Now, if you look at a long-term chart, that's the highest it's been 
well, since 2011 on the 10-year bond. Now, I'll get to the 30-year as well. That's why people are talking about this like it's such a big deal. Now, actually, I'll, I'll leave it on this chart. Why else is this a big deal? Um, I don't know if this chart will fully show it. Not fully, okay. But I have a chart that will actually here in a second. Uh, bond yields have been falling for a very long time. U.S. government bond yields have been falling for a very long time. I mean, look at this chart. This goes back to the, to the late 1980s. Back then, the yield on bonds were, were almost 10%. And actually, if this chart goes back further, again, I'll show you that, that later, it goes up above like 15% or something like that. It's really high during a period of high inflation as well. But they just fall and fall and fall and fall and fall until, you know, if you drew a nice line here, maybe I, I could. If you drew, uh, let's see here. I don't use this tool super often, but you can like draw a pretty nice line like right there, okay? It's not hard to see that what we're witnessing right now is a breakout of this trend, okay? Yields have been trending down for a very long time and it's breaking out. Now, why is that the case? I'll get into that here in a second. But you're seeing a similar story in the 30 year. So this is this is a 30 year note or bond. Um, very similar story going back to 1988. Down, 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 down. Well, now we're seeing a bit of a breakout. Not as market of a breakout, but a breakout nonetheless. And in fact, I did a video on this a long time ago. It's, it's no longer up actually, but this was a, uh, I think it was titled The Most Important Chart in the World. Okay, and this is actually from December of 2017. Prior to, you know, it's probably when yields were rising around this point in time when the stock market crashed as well for, for you know, went to correction mode. And it's talking about how uh, this, okay, so so this is a really great chart right here. This is from Zero Hedge. Um, all right, so you can see how high yields were back in the day. And then they started to fall down, down, down into this range. And each time that they would kind of, poke up around this period of time or here or here, you would see that those yields would partially at least coincide with popping a bubble. I don't know, we can't say for sure they're causing the popping of the bubble, but they'd coincide with it. And then all the way over here, you see them trying to break out again. And again, they're kind of near the top of that range. What are they going to do? And, and you know, I, I think back then I was saying, well, you know, with them right here, it certainly looks like they're going to pop the bubble pretty soon here, or at least they're going to coincide with it because where else, where else on this uh, has this, you know, gotten close to here without causing some sort of a, a bubble uh, popping event? Um, and I think this line right here actually is post QE line, if you can see it dotted line. So it broke out well above that. Well, look at where it is today. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely broken out of this. The biggest breakout since you know the late 1980s, since probably this right here, before it was even a trend. I mean, this is a huge deal, okay? So, so why is this a big deal? Why are people making a big deal out of uh, interest rates? Well, for two reasons. The first one is kind of basic, and that's well, what is the government paying on, on interest? Uh, what, what, is the government, what interest rate is the government paying on their debt? Okay, that one's kind of easy to, to understand that higher interest rates for the government is a bad thing. And it's a big difference between 1.4 and 3.2. Hey, hey, you could say 1.4 and 2.8. That's a, They're doubling what they're paying in terms of interest, right? And and you can do the math on that. You know, 1% of 21 trillion is uh, what? Like 210 billion. Okay, so what's 3% of that? That's 630 billion. Okay. Now at 3.2%, you're even above that, that they're just paying on interest each year. Now, 
they're, they're not issuing all 10 years. A, a lot of what they issue is actually much shorter term debt. But again, it's closer and closer to that Fed funds rate, which is, is, is kind of pushing up short term interest rates. In fact, if you looked at, um, let's look at US um, two year, two year bond yield. Okay, 2.9%. Okay, so it's still pretty high. And that's part of the that's partly a function of, of the, um, the yield curve uh, collapsing topic for another video. Uh, but they're still paying a relatively high interest rate on this debt, a rising interest rate on that debt. Okay. So that's, that's a big deal. The, the other piece of it is what rising yields, what type of an effect they have on interest rates in the broader economy. Now, I've talked in the past how when it comes to the U.S. economy, you know, I really think of, of three big interest rates that you can focus on that will, will be a big determinant of broader interest rates in the economy. I'm talking mortgage rates, um, the rates that you pay or had pay on, on student loans, right, or credit card debt or, or auto loans, etc. Okay, and so those three ones are um, U.S. bond yields, primarily like the 10-year the 10 year that I've shown you. That's a really big benchmark. Um, and that's a big one. Okay. The other one would be uh, the, the Fed funds rate, which I already talked about. And then the third one, which I haven't talked about in a while, would be like the LIBOR rate, okay, which is actually set over in London, but it has a big deal. It, it affects you know broader interest rates, like corporate interest rates and whatnot as well. So those are kind of some of the big three ones. And so what you can see here is that interest rates have been rising for a while now. And, and what happens when you have a ton of debt in an economy? Or, let's back it up. What happens when an individual has a ton of debt on their balance sheet and interest rates on that debt goes up? Let's say you, you are, um, let's say you have a, have a bunch of debt, okay? And, and let's say you have, a, you have a mortgage, you got a car loan, you got student loans, you got a couple credit cards, uh, you know, what else am I forgetting? Um, let's say you ha- you have a small business and you have some small business credit line or something like that. I don't know. You have all these different forms of debt, okay? And as of right now, you're, you're paying an X amount of interest rate, you know, a varying amount of interest rate depending on what type of debt we're talking. And you're making the interest payments on all of that. So, you know, in theory, eventually, or, or I should say you're making the minimum payments. So in theory, eventually you'll pay it all off, but a lot of what you're paying is interest, okay? Now, what happens... If, you know, that is barely fitting your budget, you're just squeaking by doing that plus buying the necessities or whatever else you're buying. And all of a sudden, the interest rate on all of those forms of debt goes up by a single percentage point. Now, it might not seem like a huge deal, although for those of you guys that have like a mortgage or something, like a single percentage point can be huge. Uh, if you have a credit card, I mean, what's the difference between like, you know, 18 and 19%, but, but it's still a big deal, right? And so... You know, one percent on on what potentially could be I don't know a half million dollars of debt or something like that. Um, that's a big deal on a yearly basis, and now all of a sudden your your your, your budget is broken. Another piece of it is uh, prices prices that people are willing to pay for something like say a house. I mean, interest rates are huge for the price of a house because when people go out to to shop for a house. Their budget is not necessarily just this arbitrary, eh, somewhere between two hundred and and, and three hundred thousand, or, or if you're over in California, like somewhere between half a million and, and three quarters of a million, or whatever. You know, no, it's it's not like that. Um, a lot of times, that price is kind of determined by the current interest rates 
and what their mortgage payment will be. Okay, so let's say they, they want a 30-year or 15-year fixed, 15 fixed rate or whatever it is. They, they have this number set out that at this price and at the current interest rates that are offered by, by my bank, this is my budget because this is how much I can afford on a monthly basis. Now, what happens if interest rates on all those mortgages go up by a single percentage point? Now, all of a sudden, their budget is potentially $10,000 less than what it is before or even more. Okay, And now... Buyers are willing to pay less. The whole housing market comes crashing down. Okay, So you can see why interest rates, and that's just a couple examples. You can see why interest rates are so important. The same thing goes for all other types of forms of debt, corporate debt. Of course, sovereign debt is a huge one. Rising yields are huge. And now here's the kicker, though. People for a while have been talking about yields rising. And I'll I'll switch back to the U.S. tenure here um, because it is important. People have been talking about this rising for a while. Is it going to go lower? Is it going to go higher? You know, it's historically, you know, for not for for a while here, there's been a massive amount of short positioning, meaning people betting on yields going up because remember price and and yields operate inversely. A ton of people have been betting on yields going up, and they're actually doing that right now. And and I don't know. I mean, over the short term, there's absolutely potential for yields to come back down. And mostly, I think of that as as being as a result of, of money moving from one thing to another. Now, it could be emerging markets and uh, emerging market debt into U.S. debt. It could be something like people that previously owned um, like some European countries' debt, like like Italy or Spain or something, into the United States government bonds. It could be U.S. stocks or, or even foreign stocks into U.S. bonds, right? Because people see bonds as, as a safe haven and maybe even more so with, with higher yields. Okay. But long term, the fundamentals are not there whatsoever. There is no reason that yields should be this low, and there's no reason that yields shouldn't continue to rise significantly. And and you know honestly, this is a case for a lot of other um, countries, Japan, Germany, etc. But you know they have things like like quantitative easing still ongoing. The U.S. government does not. Okay, so I mean, really, the dynamics when you really get down to it, the supply and demand for U.S. Treasuries. Okay, first of all, the supply. Well, basically, I mean, the U.S. government is taking on more and more debt in a non-recessionary environment. If we hit a recession, it's that's all bets are off. At that point, I think the Fed is going to have to monetize the debt, i.e., print a lot of money to to buy up a lot of bonds. Okay, to to drive down yields and to just. So somebody will buy it because I don't think there'll be enough buyers out there, not even foreign governments. But right now they're taking on more and more debt, means they're issuing more and more bonds, more supply on the market. It's no different than if if we're talking about silver and gold markets, right? If somebody took or, or even oil, if somebody all of a sudden just upped the, the supply coming onto the market by ten percent, twenty percent, thirty percent in like in a, a year or two, of course prices are gonna crater. Okay. The other piece of it is also that the Fed the Federal Reserve, for a long time, and they still are buyer of the bonds, but for a long time, they, they did their quantitative easing, they bought all these bonds, and then they had this huge balance sheet that they maintained, meaning that they would, as bonds matured, they would um, reinvest those funds back into the bond market. Well, they're doing quantitative tightening right now, which means that they're buying fewer and fewer bonds each month, okay? So you have more supply, you have less demand from the Fed, and then it's just a matter of what other demand there's going to be. Okay, so you have um, 
well, first of all, you have those those investors investors that I was talking about earlier, those that are overseas or from stocks or you know safe haven type of movement bonds, and, and that absolutely can exist over the short term. But then if you look at things like foreign governments, I especially think of countries like Japan and China, the two largest holders of our debt. Um, if they decide they just don't want to continue to buy this US, U.S. debt, especially at this low yield, then that's going to hurt it as well, especially if they sell some of them off, which is a very real possibility. It happens, okay? Long story short, though, I mean, you guys know that the U.S. debt is out of control, the sovereign debt especially. It's out of control. I think the whole world knows, and I think they're starting to realize it. And, and basically, there are no, there's no reason that yields right now on the 10-year should not be at 4%, 5%, 6%. Because this debt is, is such a huge problem. And I think eventually there's a good chance of them reaching that. You know, 4% yield, 5 4, even 4.5%, that would be huge, right? Imagine the type of interest the U.S. government would have to pay. Imagine what those rising rates would do to the U.S. economy. They, they would stifle it, right? I mean, sure, there are some beneficiaries of higher yields. So, for example, pensions. Okay, pensions for a long time depended on on high yields to well help fuel their long term portfolio strategy. So when they were up here around nine eight percent, I mean pensions could just buy a bunch of bonds and they had didn't have to worry about reaching a seven percent yield eight percent yield because they were already pretty much getting it with bonds. Well, now they own a ton of stocks and not nearly as many bonds as in the past, and maybe they'll move into it at some point, but at, maybe. And you're gonna have other investors, you know. Rising rates is they're not exactly bad for savers, but long story. I mean, if you guys want my take on on what's going to happen, I think yields are going to continue to rise until we hit a crisis, until we hit a crisis, and then the Fed is going to pull out all the stops. They're going to start their quantitative easing. They're going to lower their Fed funds rate to zero percent, even below zero percent, which sounds crazy, but it's a very real possibility. And I think yields are going to come down at least for a while. They're, they're, they're going to print a ton of money, money and they're just going to buy all of these bonds. You know, a great example of a country that did that would be like um, Japan. Let's see if I can find 10-year um, T-note. Uh, there's got to be, a, you know, somewhere in here, right? Um, those are futures, so I don't know if they would have yield on it anyways um basically you know if i showed you japanese 10-year maybe i'll just do it up here um you, you guys can pay no pay no attention to what i'm doing up here um, this is something this is a strategy that japan has oh, okay there we go i was just typing in the wrong numbers um this is something that japan has done for years look at their yield 0.16. And part of that is like, uh, we don't expect much inflammation or inflammation. Physical therapist here, future physical therapist, inflammation. Inflation, you know, 0.1%, 0.16%, right? That's a very low yield. And a lot of that is just because the Bank of Japan just buys up all these bonds, right? Suppresses interest rates. I think the Fed eventually is going to try that, but they're, they're going to drive down those yields in a, a rising inflation environment. And and I think um, buyers are, are, are not going to be found, I don't think, in the bond market. I think the Fed is going to have to choose either to let yields go up or to 
almost completely own the bond market at some point and and that'll be that and and suppress yields that way um and all the while letting inflation uh, really run out of control so that's really where i see this heading long term you know i hope this has been an educational video for you i hope this is a good way of breaking it down if this is too wordy let me know you guys probably aren't here anymore if you think it's too wordy but but let me know uh but this is a big deal breaking out of this trend is a big deal and a i think it's going to pop this bubble and b it's going to lead to some serious fiscal problems some serious additional fiscal problems for the uh for the u.s government so uh, again i'd love to hear your thoughts on this video down below in the comment section um if you want to support me in my channel if you enjoyed this video and my content uh, like this video comment down below uh, subscribe to my channel if you haven't already um, all those things help out a ton but uh, honestly the, the number one thing you could do to help my channel you've already done and that's watch this video so thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for watching this video and god bless